You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans. Guess what? It's Southside Sox. On the Farm, podcast number 16. As usual, joining me, taking time out of his day, taking out of time, taking time out of weekly, nightly, monthly farm <laughs> podcast. Sometimes he hops on for White Sox MLB podcast. It's a relentless worker. He didn't change his hat for this one. So it's almost no. as if we did these back to back. So those of you, those 12 of you who subscribe to actually watching these podcasts, uh, you'll make note of that uh, right away. But Darren Black, thank you for uh, joining me once again as the stalwart expert on our minor league system. Yep, I'm back. <laughs> back. It's not a Monday, but he's back. And, you know, listen, you should probably always watch these because, you know, there's there's laughter. Uh, there's uh, sometimes pets, ha- house pets uh, crashing the podcast but this time i'm you know it's a low energy podcast for me t- tonight darren so this is one if, if you don't want to rush over to youtube and watch eh, good don't because you're probably not going to get the usual hilarity and gesticulations that you're used to getting I, i'm talking about for darren not for me i'm very staid i'm very chill so you're not gonna get that for me tonight either so so be it but all right we've got some stuff to talk about darren not a ton but let's start with the news of the day and that is the september 1 september call-ups uh certainly at least one pretty big surprise packed in there i'm not sure that they went along with either one of your picks you laid yourself on the line last week and i don't think i did so i can just say i had it right but um it's sort of an, an interesting uh set of call-ups uh for these uh for filling out the roster just by two not you can't go like 12 guys anymore it's just two up to 28 
Uh, but uh, really, it's uh, Romy Rami Gonzalez, who is sort of the guy who came out of nowhere, uh, really now, and now he's a member of the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, so he skipped Winston-Salem, going straight to Birmingham this year, and um, obviously not a 40-man guy, so I never really thought he would make it to the majors, even when he was doing really well in Birmingham, but uh, they're in win now. So put the best guys you have on the team on the team um, and see what happens. And uh, I'm not sure if he'll be on the playoff roster per se, but he's definitely a guy that has some speed and some versatility down the stretch. Um, since really everybody in the starting lineup's full. Um, yeah, he's a good guy to add. Um, and he'll probably be on the team for uh, the next few years too. Um, can't really see him being sent down for any reason after Leary Garcia's contract is up. Um, and then Gavin Sheets is back. Um, I kind of assumed it was going to be Jake Lamb, but obviously, uh, Gavin Sheets is much better. Just thought they would kind of keep that, uh, roster spot open in, in the hopes, uh, or just in case if there were an injury. Um, but again, they need to win. So, yeah. and he's already helping with a three run homer today. Uh, we have got uh, th- that splintered off into some different directions that we are certainly going to get to because there's some stuff about Jake Lamb I think we need to talk about. Uh, but let's stick with uh, uh, Romy Rami uh, here. And let's say, uh, listen, I think I said this on our Slack channel. I love the fact that now the diacritics are appear on his name like out of nowhere. No one was using them. We always did. I even contacted the uh, the family. I'm not sure if uh, one of the followers, one of the tweeters is, is mother or sister. I'm not certain, but actually bothered to ask because, you know, not everybody uses, not every uh, Latin last name, particularly maybe uh, U.S. born uh, people of, of that heritage necessarily use the diacritics. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm always just, I ask, you know, I say, hey, you know, what is the name supposed to look like, right? Ask Aaron Santana, who's the sort of the liaison, the teacher in the uh, uh, Dominican, I guess by distance now, but the, the DSL guys and the young guys in Arizona sort of te- in, in terms of the uh, speaking English lessons and such. Uh, so it's sort of fun to see that uh, suddenly now, even the White Sox are used, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm still not sure if we're right, but I guess somebody's reading because uh, nobody was using that, and now suddenly we see the accent over the A. Okay, uh, but that's not what we want to talk about. What we do want to talk about, though, is something else that I found fun. All right, here's the first question I have for you, Darren, and that is, if Tim Anderson doesn't go on the injured list, do you think uh, necessarily that Gonzalez is the guy coming up, or do you think because of his versatility, he was going to be a guy they were going to give a shot no matter what? Um, I think I think if Tim Anderson wasn't on the IL, he wouldn't be up here. Um and but then I think he'd be added over the off season to protect him right. from uh, Rule Five draft. Uh, you can make the argument that they could have sent down Danny Mendick uh, for him, and I'm not going to say that that would have been the wrong uh, mm-hmm. roster move because I think honestly it probably would have been the right one. Um, but just to keep your options open, uh, he's probably Tim Anderson, no IL. Gonzalez stays down and they just kind of write it out. Um, but the IL is just weird and it just like maybe Tim Anderson would have been ready in three days, but now he's going to be right. an extra 12 just because right. IL and he's not really ready. And it's just some roster play. Um, he could very well be sent down when Tim Anderson comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll just find out um, whenever Timmy's back. I guess. Yep. 
if not for the injury, is it uh, is it another bat that comes up? Is it Zach Collins who comes back up? Who do you think would have been up if if Anderson's playing? Um, hmm. uh, I guess I probably would have gone the DFA Lamb and only call up Sheets. I see. Um, but then they would have an extra forty man roster spot, and then uh, then. Right. Then you get to that point of just putting Tim Anderson on the IL because he's not playing for the next few days anyway. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure because you couldn't have called up two pitchers. Yeah. Um, I guess is what the rule is. Uh, okay. So it just would have been it just would have been weird. So probably still sheets. Hmm. Um, but yeah, because they don't really have any middle infielders in Charlotte right now that would have been okay taking over for anything else. Tim Beckham's angry hearing that, but apparently he's been injured or something. Well, he just he, he disappeared. He went from almost being on the team to like now I, he, he may have retired. I don't know. It seems like a lot of guys are retiring these days. We'll get to that in the second half. Uh, okay, one more uh, Gonzalez question. And uh, if I haven't lost my train of thought, Darren. Oh, you know, this is something that was brought out in our post on Southside Sox uh, today. And that is that even the White Sox's own release announcing all these moves fail to mention it. And I understand that defense isn't necessarily, I think, as it was said in the piece, like sexy, but, and we've talked about it, the fact that it's been since the Cape Cod league that uh, Romy Raman Gonzalez even played shortstop. He has never played as a professional before he started his first game in Birmingham this year. Not exactly the direction you can go. You'd expect a guy who played shortstop maybe in Arizona to end up playing left field if he couldn't. Hey, who knows? That could be the Jose Rodriguez track. But to go the other way and then to not only pull it off adequately, I'm guessing he's more or less an average defender. Maybe maybe he's even a pace below average. But okay, he's not a Gold Glove shortstop. But the fact that he could pull it off and still step forward with the kind of offense he has put together this year is, I mean, obviously it's the cherry on top is getting to the White Sox, but it's remarkable. Even if he only, only made it to Charlotte this year, what a remarkable uh, jump forward uh, Gonzalez has taken this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the bat really lit up uh, while he was doing all this, uh, playing a new position um, though. He did have experience in the infield beforehand, mm-hmm. just not never at shortstop. And shortstop is much different than second base, obviously. And you have to be a lot more, I guess, nimble or more athletic than a normal third baseman. Um, and he's clearly a lot more athletic than a normal third baseman. So see if he's good at short. Um, and, I mean, he hit 20 homers in Birmingham, which sounds impossible. <laughs> I think it technically <laughs> is impossible. There's some yeah. some weird uh, trick of numbers there because I don't think it's, it's, it's actually really allowed. Strange. <laughs> yeah, and he also stole 20 bags. Um, I know the rules are different uh, in the minors with that, and I don't remember what double A's uh, rules were uh, in that respect. Um, but it is more pro base dealing. And let's have that um, offset Darren by the fact that he did the 2020 in like what, 75 games, like 70 K he did it in like a half a yeah. season. So maybe it yeah. does cancel out, even though they're like take second base, like in the fifth inning, just just take, that's the rule. Take second base. It's still pretty mm-hmm. cool to manage to do that. Cause uh, he did it in a yeah. very small amount of time. You know, fantastic. That slacker Aaron Rowan probably did it in like 130 games back in yeah. 2001 when he was the last Birmingham Baron to, to do it. Okay. Let's hop over to, uh, briefly at least let's talk 
Jake Lamb. And let's talk about the fact that, uh, again, in our story today, I think it amounted to about 28 at-bats that the White Sox essentially sacrificed Luis Gonzalez for because, of course, they had to get rid of him. DFA'd him thinking maybe they could sneak him through in order to activate Jake Lamb to get him for, I guess, the stretch run. He got his normal utilization, which was maybe a dozen games, something like maybe 30 plate appearances. Uh, didn't do well, obviously. If he had done well, he'd probably still be with the White Sox. But uh, I understand that these are some of the things that just happened because we're starting to get to that crunch in the win now mode. Some of these guys who haven't done the role, <laughs> the role Mirami Gonzalez and like busted out uh, and said, you have to put me in the major leagues are going to fall by the wayside. Blake Ruff, the guy probably talk about here in a minute that uh, might fall in the category. So it's not as if it's a shot through the heart that Luis Gonzalez is out of the organization, but still now in retrospect, perhaps even more pretty strange that they made the decision then knowing that Lamb wasn't going to be their guy like through November. Uh, I mean, I don't think Luis Gonzalez is ever going to be an important part, even in the bench. So I don't mind that much, but I, I would have preferred Lamb to be DFA'd before uh, Luis Gonzalez. I probably would have preferred like Rutherford too, but it was just Gonzalez season ending injury or, um, uh, or at least a, more serious injury than what Jake Lamb had at the time because Jake Lamb would have obviously he came back to play um, but and Luis Gonzalez was not so it was just tough roster mechanics that you have to do at that point um, but he I mean Lamb he was better overall than I thought he'd be he walked mm-hmm. a lot more showed a bit more power he just he's it's just for a guy that strikes out that much it's not good to have that kind of guy um, as your bench I guess I don't even really want to say he's a defensive replacement for anything, but your bench bat when you yeah. needed a pinch header. Yeah, I mean, what what is the additional asset? At least, uh, though their numbers aren't remarkable. You know, Hamilton's got speed; he's going to give you a little defense. Uh, you know, Goodwin, I guess, gives you some corner defense. He's going to, you know, I mean, guess just overall some versatility. I mean, Lamb is pretty much if he's not mashing and if he's not really taking advantage of maybe some right handers, you know, what's the point? And I guess you could have asked that question way back in March when they decided to yeah. give him the final roster shot. And, and you're right to point out, Darren, I'll, I'll back off of the White Sox. I'll take my, uh, I'll take my, my foot off of them uh, and criticize it because you're right. Uh, this is a win now team. Luis Gonzalez was not going to give you the opportunity to contribute anything. I understand they tried to sneak him through and technically they almost did. If it was the giants who picked yeah. him up, that means he yeah. almost made it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess Jake Lamb, if you thought in March he was going to be, I could help. I suppose it makes sense that uh, for the stretch run, you thought he would be able to help. And, I, and again, if he had had a, a strong, you know, in his spot play, if he had a strong August, uh, he's probably still with the White Sox. And maybe mm-hmm. Gavin Sheets is still uh, playing in Charlotte, mashing a little bit in, in Charlotte and not selling as many breaking tea, T-shirts in Charlotte. Uh, okay, so we alluded to Blake Rutherford. Uh, I'm not sure if it was you. and You wouldn't be the only one who would suspect he's got some sort of photo negatives or somebody in the front office because the guy really does seem to have nine lives, uh, even though he has picked a time to sort of pick up. Maybe this was just the opportune time for him to pick up because he's a player of the week, player of the month. He's a player of something. He has heated up a little bit here in, uh, I guess, a stretch run for Charlotte. Uh, but uh, what's going on with the fact that Blake Rutherford, Blake Rutherford, I guess here's the pointed question. Is Blake Rutherford in the White Sox organization next year? Um, I'm going to go with no, uh, the, cause I'm going to go with any, I don't think Mike Rodolfo is going to be 
um, just of the other 40 man guys that could potentially be, I don't think Mike Rodolfo is going to solely because of the options that he d will not have left next year. Uh, Rutherford will have an option year next year and maybe that will save him. Um, but at this point, he, he's not even, see, they, they've made so many players outfielders. I don't really know where to put him on the list of the depth, but maybe I'd put him like seventh, eighth, ninth, something like that. Uh, and they got pretty close to seven, eight, nine this year yeah. for outfield depth. And yeah. Blake Rutherford was not one of those guys <laughs> no, that came up. Wasn't. And again, this all um, presumes, a, I always say, this, this presumes they do nothing to add. I mean, even this year they added, I mean, arguably added Adam Eaton. They did actually add somebody, you know, in the offseason. This presumes they do nothing in a trade or free agency signing in terms of adding that depth and pushing Rutherford further down i mean this was his shot this was really his shot to at least make it a tough decision not to call him up and i'm guessing it was never a tough decision not to call him up yeah no he just he so august he finally had a good month rutherford did um but the previous <laughs> other months yeah. he was just really bad and wasn't showing the power that he was supposed to show um when he was drafted uh, he's doesn't have fantastic speed, so he doesn't play center much. Doesn't have a fantastic arm, so he's mostly a left fielder, but will go and right occasionally. Um, he's just not a like I'm. I'm pretty positive that if this was 2015 or 2016, he would be the Charlie Tilson, just always up, mm. saying like, "Okay, show us what you've got," even though All maybe right. you don't have anything. Just please, right. yeah, show some glimmer of hope. Yeah. But, this isn't this isn't that team. No. They've got a lot of outfielders and a lot of good outfielders, and yeah. maybe he can latch on somewhere else. Um, but I also have a tough time finding out what the Sox get in return for him too. So it's uh, it's just in a very precarious situation right now. All right, we're not going to entirely leave Charlotte and the upper depth of the system, but we will take a quick break and be back with the second half of our. Farm show number 16, Darren, can you believe it? You, you are still smiling. You, the, the color in your face is still there. You are about to survive a very challenging season. So uh, congratulations yeah, for that. We'll check in on that. Uh, we'll take a break. Be back in uh, just a minute. And uh, all right. Well, see you then. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, guess what? We are back. 
That break didn't take a minute. Come on. I'm lying. If you're watching, that break didn't take but a second. But we're right back because we cannot stay away for as much as even a minute. You can see the excitement on my face, and you can always see the excitement on Darren's face. The guy, his hat's going to fly off any time now. You know? Remember, that's <laughs> a good it's, it's a good trick for those uh, those speedsters. You know, Sometimes they knock their own hat off to make it seem like oh, they're going yeah. faster than they are. Pretty slick, huh? Uh, so uh, don't be above that, Darren. You can do it. Okay, let's uh, talk. Uh, I want to talk about this uh, for a while with you and what seems to be uh, maybe apparent movement in the catching depth for the White Sox in that Sebi Zavala is still in the major leagues and Zach Collins is not. Uh, is that an overreaction to say that perhaps Zavala has moved back ahead in the depth chart uh, or are the White Sox perhaps mm-hmm. getting more to the end of their rope with Zach Collins or is that just wishful thinking? Now, what's the situation with the catching in your eyes? Yeah, so I I thought it was, a, for me, I thought it was surprising that they sent down Zach Collins because that was his option. Um, and so next year he will not have an option. Um, and I thought, well, might as well, because Sebi Zavala was going to lose his option year next year. I thought, well, maybe try to save at least one of those guys to keep their option. But again, they're win now. Um, and at this point, with Yasmani Grandal back looking healthy, um, both catching and at the plate, might as well have your backup catcher be the guy that's the better catcher. Um, I, I think a lot of people have problems with Collins and Zavala for the same reasons. Um, they kind of just left, let baseballs go to the backstop just <laughs> randomly. Um, it's not fantastic that they do that, but. Boy, Sox fans are tough. Yeah. <laughs> catching is important for catchers. <laughs> Interesting. But he's definitely better play caller or pitch caller. And when he is catching it, he uh, is framing it much better than Collins. I still think Collins is the better hitter, um, but at this point, if you're in the playoff series, you don't really need Zach Collins to go and hit if you've got Gavin Sheets on the bench to go and hit. Um, So might as well have it just be the backup catcher that um, if you need a pinch run for Grandal in the eighth or whatever and have Zavala go out there and be competent, Mm. um, that's that's how I should look at it or given, how people should look at it. Given the option situation then, uh, Darren, is this an indication that the White Sox making no other moves in the offseason? And, you know, so I, I don't think I'm picking on them. I think it's happened before where they sort of have made no moves in the offseason. But, okay, presuming no catcher moves in the offseason, would this be an indication given they sort of juggled the options the way they did, um, you know, the way you laid it out, uh, that they are comfortable with, uh, or would be predicting that Sebi is the backup uh, in uh, on opening day uh, 2022? Yeah, so obviously it will be one of those two on the team next year. Right now I'm going to assume that it's uh, Zavala. Um, that probably means that Zach Callens is not on the team next year, but the way I basically look at this is if you're a meaningful prospect from the rebuild 2015-16-17, you're in the majors. If you are not a meaningful prospect any longer, then you're expendable and you just weren't good enough. And that's the point of the rebuild to see who was good enough to get you to that playoff championship window. Um, There probably will be Charlotte will probably look a lot different next year uh, with a lot of familiar faces gone um, for whatever it's worth. Um, But your mean Mercedes is still around and he still has options. So maybe he's the third catcher, I guess. 
Um, but it's just, uh, there's a lot of guys that just couldn't do it and they just should go to other places to prove that they can do it elsewhere. The, the Sox roster is full. That's like a nightmare Zach Collins has had probably over, well, at least maybe this season. It's like he wakes up and somehow he's behind your mean Mercedes in the, in the White Sox future. But yeah, I mean, as we are putting, you know, it does wrangle out that it, it, it's feasible. I, I guess it's, I guess it's feasible that uh, it could work out that way. Um, all right. Uh, and unfortunately, there's not really any pressing catching depth in the pipeline. Maybe you can make an argument for Carlos Perez, but um, you know, uh, it's not as if, I guess, essentially maybe what you're saying in terms of, of how you broke down the prospects of 15, 16 and that, you know, if you're not up, you know, you're sort of out and sort of the end of the season here or second half this year, maybe even this season, but certainly 2022 sort of represents the flushing of that, like first wave. Mm-hmm. And now the second wave yeah. we talk about now it's now they're sort of assuming this stage now, not in Charlotte per se, but they're, they're on yeah. their way. That wave is coming but, up and there's those yeah. old guys now. They were signed uh, uh, international uh, like Yolki Cespedes or, or Guevara um, and then drafted this year and last year. Um, it's just, you got to wait for those really young guys to get up and then the system will look better if those guys are a success. Um, but yeah, next year, um, I mean, if you go look at Charlotte's roster right now, there's a lot of former major leaguers. Mm-hmm. I would expect maybe even a few more than that, just to be on the roster, kind of hanging out, seeing what right. they can prove still. Um, but yeah, it's just, these guys didn't prove it. And that's just the nature of baseball. And now the really good guys are up. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's a good seg, Darren, our little last piece when we talk about before we depart and have all of our listeners and even a few viewers shed that tiny tear. Final portion is going to be talking about pitching in the system, Darren, and really there isn't much of it. Now you can sort of chide the legitimacy of, uh, uh, say, an arm like Taylor Barnell. I know there were some legit uh, questions about him, um, notably because he was an older prospect and he was just getting into Birmingham this year before he decided, while having the most MVP votes in our very unofficial, but not completely unscientific polling all year, basically would have been our pitcher of the year at the time of his retirement, decided, you know what, I don't see the major leagues in my future, or I see another dozen kids in my future so this i'm I'm making it i am going to opt for the thing that's more important to me which is family which is totally cool and we wish taylor really great luck with that and it it is sad to see him go and nate and 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 a because he's a good guy but also because geez darren the white Sox. i mean we have talked about this sorry that we're at the end of the season now so we are recycling a few topics here but there isn't any depth aside from nori vera um, and obviously there are the guys in Kannapolis who sort of took a step back or maybe at best treaded some water this year. Uh, you still need in your system to have some guys. Connor Pilkington was one. He's been traded. Taylor Varnell, I guess, arguably could have been maybe right on the cusp of one. He's retired. Cade McClure is up in Charlotte. So he, I guess, aside from Jimmy Lambert, is the other guy, you know, mm-hmm. on the doorstep, but he has not blown up a triple a by any stretch. So it is a, it's a desert right now for white Sox starting pitching, or am I missing some guys and you can scold me now? No. Yeah. I, I would totally agree that Norgay Vera is the best uh, pitching prospect in the system. 
Um, and I, I probably would have said that before he actually started playing too. Um, but the people that have been watching him play uh, in the Dominican Summer League actually have him throwing 97-98, which is very impressive. <laughs> so um, got to keep an eye on him. But yeah, it's basically Jimmy Lambert, um, Cade McClure, it was Jonathan Stever would have been in there too, but obviously he has the labrum injury. Um, and then after that, the next guy at double A, you could kind of maybe squint and see, maybe he gets a spot start somewhere is Jason Billhouse. Um, But yeah, it's Varnell. Um, obviously he's now retired. I want to spend more time with family and because he was probably thinking about that a ton, I don't want to knock him for his double A stats. Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel like that would be unfair, but he was doing really well in Winston-Salem. It's still impressive because he was a 29th round draft pick. It's just impressive uh, just any way that he made it to double A. Um, you're drafted that late. You're not expected to go uh, that high, like two levels short of the majors. Um, like how Rami Gonzalez uh, is now in the majors and drafted in the what 17th, 18th round. It's very impressive that they got up there. Um, but yeah, I, if he stuck with it, um, he probably I could have definitely have seen him in Charlotte as a mainstay there, and then as a doubleheader, been like gotten a start. Maybe they try him out in the bullpen to see if he gains a tick or two in miles per hour. Um, but yeah, sad, sad to see him go because he was one of those few pitchers that would actually go deep in games because uh, he didn't really have much of a pitch count like other guys. Um, very Spencer Adams, Bernardo Flores kind of like. Yeah, Never I was going to say Bernardo Flores. It seems like that he profiles similar there. And and listen, we can talk about throwing ninety seven, ninety eight. We can talk about you know where they were drafted or, or where they rank on the on the scouting scale. And of course, we don't want to put too much into the actual results of games. But on the other hand, Darren, the reason you have to perform in games. And and one thing that Taylor Varnell did, you know, whatever you know, whatever advantages he had, you know, via age or whatever. I mean, at some point, you do have to look at the back of the baseball card and say, okay, this guy. He's got mm-hmm. numbers that are consistently going wide. Okay, maybe the, the the strikeouts per nine innings isn't what it should be for a guy who's going to be in the major leagues. And I'm not saying Taylor Varnell is going to be a major leaguer, but you know we do have to look at the box scores to agree. I mean, we can we can say that with our updates that we, you know maybe make too much of, of the day to day results or something. But I mean, that is also what, how we how we stitch together our narrative to that degree. Uh, I, I believe I heard it uh, way down. I heard it all the way from Birmingham, but I think. Emilio Vargas was typing a very angry email to you for overlooking him, but he has been a, a he has been a surprising guy who's, who's pitched out of the pen and started it, and he has actually pitched well in this second half. I don't know that necessarily projections of being a guy who could take that you know Varnellish type of role or something, or even or even have success at AAA, but he has done well. I mean, we are looking for any arm we can like sort of tout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are several arms at each level that are. Or not, I shouldn't say several, like one or two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess if I'm including the bullpen, there there might yeah, be several. But sure. starting pitching, um, there's usually at least one guy who's maybe a bit older doing well at each level. And Emilio Vargas is definitely one of those guys. Um, I think the Sox don't really know if they want to try him out in the like a long man role or starting yet. Um, I mean, with I guess with Taylor Barnell retiring, he probably needs to stay starting for a bit longer. Um, but, um, he, he's also a former, I, I guess I shouldn't say top prospect, but a notable prospect, um, in other people's systems. Um, and Taylor Varnell never got to that point of a top 30 with the White Sox. So Varg- or 
Vargas does have a bit more of a prospect luster. Um, it's just run off a ton because he's, I think I, he was one of those guys that was signed really young. So he's, he's probably been in the league for about six, seven years uh, or been a professional for about six, seven years. And if you're he's like, you're mean Mercedes, you eventually kind of lose that until you prove uh, that you're better um, than what uh, people remember. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, slim pickings, I expect them to sign a bunch of older, like Mike Wrights again next year for Charlotte, and then just kind of see where they go. Because Jared Kelly, Andrew Dahlquist, Matthew Thompson should not be called up whatsoever. They do not deserve it. So they need to still be in Kannapolis. And Darren, you can make an argument maybe this year they should have signed more of those types of arms. But, hey, let's just hope that, you know, Carlos Rodon, you know, stays intact. Lucas Giolito just had a little tweak. Lance Lynn is just basically getting 10 days off. Uh, because otherwise, man, this, this season is not going to end up the way you want it to, but we won't think yeah. that way. Uh, all right. Well, listen, everybody who, uh, who has uh, been listening, listen to all, man, I mean, we're at 16 already, 16 farm packets. That's ridiculous. Thank you, everybody who does listen. Uh, if you're not watching, hey, listen, you missed a ton of Darren Black gesticulations. The hat did actually <laughs> blow off a couple times when he was making legit points. Uh, and so you, you missed that. Of course, you can just go, you can go over and watch that. We have a YouTube channel. You're aware of it. It's linked in the post here. It's linked. Hey, take a look sometime. See if Darren changes his hat next podcast, because guess what? Probably next Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll be talking again, uh, for the farm podcast. Hey, when's the season over? I know Charlotte plays pretty much all of September, but are we, are we going to have Birmingham playoffs potentially, uh, sometime soon? Is that, is that mid September? What, what, you know, better than me. Uh, the playoffs would be end ish of September, I believe. Okay. Um, this year is just different because, um, the top league started a month later. So they're playing, they would have been over in 20, uh, they didn't play last year, 2019. Um, it would have been over like today or tomorrow, basically. Um, but like end of September, beginning of October, they should be playing. Um, I'm not sure if there are playoffs confirmed yet. Mm. I think before the season, some people were saying that those were canceled. Um, but then it got better with COVID and then it got worse. So it just, I think everything is in limbo with that. I like that exchange, Darren. I was, I had wishful thinking that somehow the, the nightmare of the minor league updates would be over sooner than they will be. And I've had that dash. You are hopeful that maybe there's not even playoffs. Although really that's not an option. That's not a really an issue for the White Sox. If anything, it means we're just going to write a few more Birmingham games because that's all it could possibly be. And even Birmingham is not uh, assured of any sort of, quote unquote, whether they just get a, a little pennant or a mini wild card, something on paper, or they actually get to play based on making it. Uh, that's all it's going to be. There's no one else in the system. White Sox, probably, White Sox, even Great Falls, no longer in the system, probably isn't even in playoff position right now because there's just that much uh, 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 poison in the, in the well right now with the White Sox system. But, yeah, minor league records are not good. <laughs> yeah, but I'll point out, I'll point out again, I'll give you credit. You did predict that Kannapolis would win the second <laughs> half title, and technically they will end up being tied for first with a 0-0 record for the second half this year. So you weren't yeah. wrong. So, And that was, a, that was a gutsy prediction when you made it. So, you know, if I had a hat, my hat would be, my hat would be off to you, Darren. Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, as always, reading all that stuff. Uh, we'll be back, I think, 
I think they're still playing games. As long as they're still playing games and I got to do an update a week and Darren's got to do like eight a week, uh, we will be back <laughs> in a week to talk about the system. And hopefully we will have a couple new topics. We probably will talk maybe about the lower system because those guys will probably have a, at least a good, probably every one of them will have a good month or so under their belts. And maybe we can actually extrapolate extrapolate something out of that but if not we'll just talk about like Sebi Zabal and Zach Collins again and and then hopefully you'll listen uh anyway thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you in a week or so